return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. I didn't really know him very well, but there was one day um, that he just seemed kind of off and I kept feeling the Holy Spirit like tell me that I needed to go talk to him. And uh, I was kind of putting it down because that seemed strange and I didn't want to do it. But First Thessalonians 5.19, don't quench the spirit. Ah, so <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And so I, I eventually went up to him when he was kind of by himself. And I said, hey, man, I know we don't really know each other that well, but you really look like you need a hug. And he kind of took back a little bit. And then he said, yeah, I do. And I was like, okay, well, I give hugs for free. So, And so um, I gave him a hug, and uh, we started a friendship. We started having lunch together. I just started talking to him, uh, and he ended up becoming one of my really good friends. And um, one day at lunch, probably about six months later, he, I sat down, and he said, I really got to tell you something. And I was like, okay. And he started to explain to me that... Um, a couple months before, he was going to go home, and his wife was going to be gone for the weekend, and he had his favorite food that he was going to make, and he was going to do all this stuff, and then he was going to kill himself. And I was devastated. Um, And I said, you know, oh my goodness, like, what happened? And he goes, you know what happened? I said, what? And he goes, you. That was the day that you came over and asked me if I wanted a hug. And he said, and then I knew that somebody really cared and that I should still be here. And, um, you know, of course, I told him how grateful I was. And it's really incredible because now he's got grandkids and all the the awesome things that he would have missed out on. And I'm just so grateful he's still here. So just don't ever, don't ever let Satan try and talk you out of stuff like that. You never know. what that impact is going to be on somebody else. So, Amen. That's a great test. Take your step. Wow. Love it. Love it. What a great, uh, what a great testimony. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not complicated. Not complicated. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to make it complicated. Amen. You don't have to say no 15 scriptures or something. But love is powerful. Amen. Just hold your Bible a second. Say it with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've talked some on uh, thermostats, thermometers. The back by the door in this building, we have three thermostats. But for this room, it's back by the door, which will produce, uh, sends a signal to the furnace to produce heat. So that you can raise, like this morning when I came early, uh, uh, raise the heat of the building. And a thermometer is only going to register what the temperature is. So a thermometer will vary based on its environment. Okay, so if it's hot, it'll be hot. If it's cold, it'll be cold. It just, it just, regu- it just registers what that temperature is. So it just stays with whatever that is there. But a thermostat, on the other hand, influences the environment influences the atmosphere. And God has called us to be thermostats. He's called us to be influencers. He's called us to do things that will change the world around us, 
Now, I, I don't, we're here, all right? So we're, this is Brookings, South Dakota. If you join us, Facebook Live, United States, northern part of the United States. Still have snow in the ground, still cold. Uh, but we welcome you. Join us from various places and countries and, and uh, even from the United States. We welcome you and bless you in Jesus' name. But he's called us to influence others. Now, that's each of us. So it isn't like, well, he's a pastor, so of course he does that. No, we're all called to do that. Now, the scripture that goes back again in John 14, verse 17, says the Holy Spirit lives in you. So, so now we're talking about Christians here, but the Holy Spirit lives in you. So it's the spirit of truth. It doesn't come from the world. Uh, you know him, the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you and will be in you. So he's living with you. He's in us, resident 24-7. So he's always there. So you, it's not a question. Now, this isn't, isn't how you feel. It's a relationship. So uh, uh, we sense his presence and we experience his presence when we speak his name, his worship, and so forth. So something that we influence is those things about his presence. But the Holy Spirit is in you to empower you. Amen? And then, of course, we mentioned Acts 1.8. Jesus said, really admonish the disciples. Now, don't go out until you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit from power from on high. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, now this is a whole different thing. Now, it's just getting stirred up, baptized with power. So you'll receive this power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And the purpose of it is to be witnesses. Amen. The purpose is to witness about Jesus to everybody around you. Now, it begins with your hometown or state or country, but it also goes to the end of the earth. Now, notice this is important. Your, your witness is for Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. You're not a witness for a church. Many people are witnesses for their denomination or highlight churches and so forth. Obviously, you should go and be in fellowship. But your witness is for Jesus Christ because only he can save someone's soul. Only he can heal someone. Only he can touch someone. In fact, he's the one, as a believer, he's with us all the time. So you can go anywhere from here, I like that slogan, and be blessed and successful. But you could be someplace in the world, maybe there's no Christians at all, and yet he'll be there with you. His presence is with you, and empower you to do things for his glory. Amen? So, so these, are, these, are, uh, these are huge things. These are important things. So then in the, in the end of, uh, we're finishing last week, but 2 Corinthians 5, then it says, you shall be ambassadors. We are ambassadors, okay? Uh, the word, there's a word now, say now, which means this moment, this very moment, you're an ambassador for who? You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. He's the one we want to proclaim. He's the one, he's all, the only thing we have to offer the world, Amen. So your testimony, your testimony of God's touch in your life, which is very important, you share your testimony, but it all goes back to the central figure of Jesus Christ. Who's the one who changed you? I once was lost, now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see, all because of Jesus Christ. So our ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Now God is going to use us, pleading through us, to the world, to, to uh, be reconciled to, to the Lord and implore you on Christ's behalf. So using you and I as a thermostat or like on the job, you see somebody. See, again, keep it simple. Say simple. Everything about the gospel is meant to be simple. It's not meant to be complicated. So when people get up and they talk about complicated things, you think, well, what's that? People love that. Let's go into the end times. Let's, go. let's not go into the end times. Let's not, let's not talk about the horses and all the judgments and all that. No, just understand that if your heart is right with God, you're burning hard for Him, whatever happens, you'll be fine. But every denomination has all their theology on the end times and stuff like that. We can get buried there. Jesus taught things that help people. He taught things that help people on a daily basis. So the gospel is simple enough. It's like, well, what can I do with this today? Amen. What can I do with this in my life now? Well, if I'm an ambassador, I represent the king and the ambassador speaks the king's words. That's all I have to do is, is be like Jesus. Amen. 
He's in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. He empowers me. He will help me. And that will affect other people around us. The world, the world has lost its identity. So the, then the devil gets people to do things all the time that's more and more weird. Because if you've lost your anchor, now, now you have no stability whatsoever. In fact, the Bible says that when you're in the world, it says you're without hope. And that's what we see in the world today. We see people going all through all kinds of extremes of beliefs and so forth. And they've lost their hope and they're, they're all searching for what? They're searching for the answer you have. They're searching for Jesus, all right? So on behalf of Jesus Christ, we're encouraging people to be reconciled to him. Because then all of a sudden, our identity comes in line then. So we concluded then, 2 Corinthians 2.14, that, that he will manifest his fragrance. So he causes us to triumph personally, but then through us, he wants to bring this fragrance of Jesus Christ. Okay, the fragrance of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you this. It's sweet. It's loving. It's nice. You're going to meet people in the world that you might totally disagree with their lifestyle. And yet you can bring a fragrance. You can love them. You don't have to approve of them, approve of their lifestyle or approve of their sin. But you can still love them. So you bring a fragrance of Jesus Christ. Now, that's important because why? Because ultimately that's what people are looking for. And sadly, many people have made decisions in their life that, that the church is, you know, wrong, the world, they're harsh, they're critical, no life in the church. And that's just because they've never seen anybody alive. But Jesus brings life. And so when you're around uh, uh, in life, in the world, you bring that fragrance, it's a smell. A lot of you today, you put on maybe some clone, a little clone to come out in church and so forth like that. What did you put on? Something that smells nice, right? You probably didn't put on the, the fragrance of onions, you know, or something else, something kind of sharp or something. You put on something that smells good. As Christians, we have to understand if we're going out in the world, then you want to smell good. Don't smell bitter don't smell harsh. Don't smell things like that that would convey something to be like, oh, I'm going to keep my distance from them. Now, there will be people, I understand, that are lost, that recognize what you got, like, oh, I don't want that. That's just light and darkness coming together. I understand those things. But there's places in time, and I once was like that, but then there's a place in time where people's hearts soften, like, and they're looking for that truth, like, I do want that. And that comes into play then in the New Testament where it says you can give an answer to the hope that lies within you. Someone is asking you, you're answering it. So the implication is, why are you hopeful? Why do you smell good? Why are you happy? And you can give an answer to that question of the hope that lies within you. So on your job, you're friendly, you're nice, you're pleasant, all those things. To everybody... To everybody, even the person that you might think they're really out there. Okay, you're nice to them. <laughs> right? You're nice to them. You have a break room or whatever. Just, just uh, you sit down and you have a conversation. To be a thermostat, you just have to yield. Turn to your neighbor and say, yield. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you're in the river, and, and Ezekiel talks about the river, and the current, and you get in your ankles. And you, and if you're in a current, in a stream, say, and you feel the current, right? And so you get in a little deeper, and you feel more of the current, and as you're deeper. And sometimes, if the current is strong, you might have to brace yourself with the current. But to yield means you get in all the way. Now the current's going to take you. To where? Well, we know the Holy Spirit is good. He only is gonna, God's only going to do good things. So he's going to take me. And he's going to lead me places that maybe I wouldn't normally go. Jesus said to Peter before he left, before you did your own thing, now, now, referring to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to go places that you didn't think you'd go. He was giving Peter a word. So for your life, you're going to do things you didn't plan to do. He actually ended up being martyred. 
And we don't plan to be persecuted. We don't plan to be martyred, certainly. And yet the Holy Spirit, the key is yielding. Because out of our yieldness, or out of our ability to say, all right, Lord, I just, I just want to do your will, he's going to do great things. And he will touch people's lives. Not all the places where, where Jeannie and I have gone are pleasant. Some, some are very unpleasant. And I, I have to think, uh, uh, you know, God bless Jeannie. Uh, she's with her family today, their birthday. But, but there's things that are harder for a woman than they are for a man. And so she will go into situations that are much more difficult for her. I remember I was in a, one place and, and I thought, well, I could probably use a bathroom. And, and the guy just said, uh, didn't know a lot of English, but this way, out the door. Well, out the door was into the jungle. <laughs> and so I'm kind of picking my way through sticks and branches, thinking about cobras and everything else so that I could go to the bathroom as fast as possible. That's harder for a woman. So, so you have to yield to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to do things that maybe in the natural, don't think, well, I don't know want to go on that trip or be there, but God will help you if you yield. Amen? So, now notice again. He diffuses the fragrance. It's the fragrance of Jesus. The fragrance of Jesus Christ. Boy, if the world ever needs to smell something now, it's Jesus. I do like the Jesus Revolution movie because the focus is Jesus. I love it. It's an actual event that happened that is still happening today around the world. Remember, the Holy Spirit never stops moving. So if you think, I've talked about revival, living in revival just right where you're at. But if you think that if you stop moving, he hasn't, you have. So again, when you get into the stream, you feel that presence and you realize, wow, something, something good's happening. All right, let's go to the Gospel of John a second. Fourth chapter. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So this is a great story, the woman at the well. And it says in verse uh, 9, so the woman, you know, Jesus uh, and the disciples came to, um, to Samaria near to a city called Sychar. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans had no relation. There was animosity and there were, there were racial differences and different things like that, different beliefs. So there's separation stuff, so forth. So Jesus is tired and the disciples go into the city to buy some food. And it says this in verse 9, that the woman of Samaria came and says, How is it you being a Jew ask us of me, who am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So, so uh, uh, the woman had come out to the well, and Jesus said, give me something to drink. And she looked at him, and of course there's these divisions. Now understand, the disciples weren't happy about being in this area themselves. But they go and they get food as, as requested and so forth. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to sit here and rest. And God will lead you into places of divine appointment. We don't always know in advance what that appointment is. I mean, sometimes you might, but otherwise, you all, that's why you want to be ready. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, be ready. <laughs> that's why you want to be ready, because we don't know. This is, this is a noontime and so forth. He's tired, but boom, here comes this woman out. I would guess he knew he had an appointment coming up. All right. So, so uh, Jesus talks to the woman about living water. And it says that in verse 10 and so forth. And the woman says, the well is deep, and, and, and how, how are you going to get this water? And she's, then she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? And Jesus says in verse 13, he says, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. So we get thirsty spiritually and physically. So physically, what do we do? We drink water. Water is good, by the way, to drink, right? I call it God's champagne. Water is good. So drink, drink a lot of water. Two amens, three amens. Good to drink water. All right. Now, we get spiritually thirsty. And there again, what am I talking about? The world and their identity. They're looking for things, and they're thirsting, and they're drinking of the world, hoping that it will satisfy them. But it never will. So you can have... 
People search for that identity in sex. People search for that identity in alcohol or drugs or other immorality. Or thinking they want to change themselves from the person they are to something else. They, they're looking for, they're thirsty. They're thirsty. You know, every, you know, everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. They just don't know how to be happy. Now, if you're a Christian, you should be happy. Turn to your neighbor and say, be happy. <laughs> That's part of the fragrance, right? The Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So, so if, we're, if we're walking around grumpy and irritable and so forth, well, we don't show anything more. Our fragrance kind of stinks. And so, so consequently, you don't want to be that person who's grumpy and so forth and then, and then turn around and say, hey, Jesus loves you, though. And they're thinking, it didn't do you much good. You know? And by all means, if you're grumpy, don't tell them you go to church here. Don't say that. All right? So your life should reflect that. So people are thirsting. And Jesus said, if you knew about, if you knew about this, you will never, you'd never thirst again. Mm, I like that. So once I, got, once I found Jesus, my thirst for the world diminished because I was drinking more from things that brought me life. So my thirst for alcohol diminished. My thirst to be in the world and do the things of the world diminished. Not that I... I'm perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm thirsting. I want to fill my spirit with the things that are good. Amen? Amen? All right. So, so we, we have here in verse... Uh, so the woman says, give me this water. <clears throat> Smart. I want that kind of water. Verse 15. So that I would thirst not. And Jesus said, go call your husband. Verse 16. And have him come here. And the woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, well... You've answered right. Now, the Lord knows everything, right? So, so he said, you don't have a husband, so you've answered that right. But you've had five husbands, and the person you have now is not your husband, so you've answered correctly. So, he knew about these five husbands, and now she's living with a guy who's not her husband. We met someone like this, all right? So, who had five husbands and living with a person who was not her husband. And so... How would Jesus treat people? Well, first of all, she's a Samaritan. Number two, she's a woman of the world, okay? And, and so you'd have to say, well, she's a little out there as far as how the world would look at her, her reputation, her morality, how men would look at her, and so forth, because of how her lifestyle's been, right? How does Jesus treat people? Well, he treats them pretty nice. Now, the woman, you could think... You, you should never see Jesus looking at somebody, you've had five husbands. He's not doing that. He's not pointing fingers. Boy, it's so sad, you know, I, I've known denominations that if you're divorced, well, you could never minister. Well, that's kind of sad. It's kind of like there's forgiveness. Of every, you murder somebody, forgiveness. Divorce, no forgiveness. You, know, you can't minister. Like, no, 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 don't, don't go there. Let's, let's, let's understand, first of all, of course, we're in the New Testament, grace, say grace. <laughs> so grace is not a license to sin, but on the other hand, we change, our lives change, and we, we, we go forward. Go forward in life. You know, I'm, you can't undo what happened last year or 10 years or whatever ago. You can't undo that, but you can move forward. And so that's the wonderful thing about Jesus offering this woman, okay, five husbands, you're living with a guy now, but he's offering her this living water, all right? And, and in that, the woman says in verse 19, I perceive you're a prophet. So I would guess he had some dialogue in here. Everything's not printed, but you have to read between the lines. There's some dialogue in there that, that he talks to her because she's not, there's no other relationship here. And he's talking to her about a relationship with the Lord. So she's not condemned, but she realizes, wow, he's a prophet, and he's speaking life to my spirit. It's really good. So, so uh, they talk about worship, and of course, she says, well, people worship in a certain place, and Jesus said, and she talked about Jerusalem, and Jesus said, no, no, the time's coming now, they're just going to worship wherever they're at. Worship isn't confined to a location, it's confined to the person of Jesus Christ exalting him wherever you're at. Amen? So in verse 25 then, the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ, and when he's come, he'll tell us all things. 
Now, here's Revelation. So Jesus, you know, basically he hasn't, he's not just going to everybody saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. No, he's not doing that. He's just undercover ministering and so forth. But now Jesus said in verse 26, the one who's speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus is revealing to her, you know, the disciples before, you know, it's like, who do men say that I am? He's, he hasn't even told them, you know, but it's like, and then finally Jesus, Peter said, you're the Christ. Okay, and Jesus said, the Father's revealed this to you. Well, here's telling this woman. So the disciples come back. Now, here's, here's something to see here. So upon this came the disciples. So now there's been this whole conversation, this whole time of ministry, Jesus to the Samaritan woman. And the disciples came back and they marveled, verse 27, that Jesus talked with the woman. And yet no one said, what do you, what do you seek? What do you want? Or, or, or what, what is she seeking? It says, or why do you talk with her? Now, the disciples saw a Samaritan woman and they saw barriers. They, they didn't see, uh, a, you know, they just saw a problem. Jesus saw potential. People can look at the world as those are their problems. People thought of the hippies, problems, okay. But Jesus saw potential. And the, the, the disciples are looking at this woman and just thinking with, with probably disgust. Now, Jesus is ministering to the woman. They've had a wonderful conversation. She has a revelation that he's the Messiah. The disciples come back. Now, understand this. Jesus' eyes love Disciples' eyes despised. You can, you can be a thermostat or you can poison the water. And you've got a choice. It's a good thing she didn't look at the disciples saying, okay, I'm getting out of here. These guys are back, I'm getting out of here. Because they're coming back and they're thinking, why is he talking to her? What does she want? Why is she here? She shouldn't be here. He shouldn't be dealing with her. So their eyes are disgusted. So, now, we can say, well, they're followers of Jesus. Yep, they are. But there were certainly, cold water. We're not ministering to that lady. We're not doing this. So, in their eyes, there's judgment. Now, if in your life, you want to, let me just say this. If you want to do things, you can believe whatever you want. But if you post things publicly, you're going to draw lines on who you will minister to. So people, Christians are very, they'll post what they believe, you know, I believe this politically and so forth, and that, that group's cut off, that group's cut off, that group's cut off, and you will never minister to one person on the other side of the fence. Because you proclaimed, this is where we're at. Not about Jesus, but about politics. I have friends who, are, who have ministries, some would call them an apostle, this and that. But they'll post out there all their stuff, and those people will never minister to the world. But I'm an apostle. I hear from God. I'm sorry you think, sorry you didn't hear from God. You're hearing from the devil, because the message is Jesus Christ. Amen. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus is not going to have you cut off groups. My guess, that as Jesus had revealed himself to the woman, and the disciples came back, that they probably looked at him and like, don't mess this up. For Jesus' eyes. Don't mess up what I've just done. Don't mess up how this woman has experienced the forgiveness of God, but don't mess it up by your actions and your judgments. Very important. We've had people come to this church before and someone else spoke from this podium and they would criticize everything that another political party did. And we had people here in the church in that political party who never came back. Never came back. Because that's what this church believed. It didn't matter that I said, no, 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 I don't believe that's not the message. That's not the message. Boom. Wall up. Offended. Never came back. And died that way. Never came back. Kids never, adult kids never came back. 
So how we relate to people is important. You have to look through the lines here. See, a lot of people read faster than, okay, Jesus met the woman. Okay, boy, she forgave. Oh, isn't that wonderful? How do you fit in that story when we look at the world today? We look at racism. We look at political differences. We look at all these walls that are built up. And so how am I going to minister to the people that I meet? Now, what am I saying? This is real Christianity. This isn't fluff. This isn't like, oh, that's a real nice word. No, this is something you apply in your life on a daily basis. If you want to minister to people. Right now, we're ministering to a lot of people, a lot of people that are in a lot of different camps. But the interesting thing, we do that privately. But then the interesting thing, even as we post to Jeannie's, I'm not on Facebook, but Jeannie's posting Jesus Revolution. The interesting thing is, people from those camps poke in like, I remember, I remember that time. I remember how I felt in that meeting. I remember. So, what we have created then is a bridge that can be a blessing to other people because we haven't turned them off. I just want to say this. God never gives up on anybody. Until they're dead, there's always hope. can be the worst person in the world, but there's hope. Because Christ died for everybody. Not for Americans. <laughs> it's not an American thing. Not just for the good people. Don't become self-righteous once you become a Christian. No, no, no. He died for everybody. And that's how we're going to reach people. We'll reach some people. Maybe not everybody, but we'll reach some people. And the last thing we want to do is become a stumbling block to others. All right, so verse, verse 28. So the woman leaves her pot, implying that she's going to come back. Because pots are valuable. You know, so this John, remember you brought some candy to Liberia and it was in a plastic container. And they wanted the plastic container. Like a ice cream bucket or something, you know. They wanted the plastic container. That was valuable to them. The woman leaves her pot and she uh, uh, goes, uh, goes into the town, all right? And she says to the men, so understand, time passes. Read the thing now. The implication of this woman changed. So think about somebody far out there. Extreme left or whatever. Lifestyle. Doesn't matter. Far out there. And she goes back to her camp, which happens to be the men. And she says to the men, you got to see a man which told me everything I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Now she's implying that she's been forgiven. You can imagine now she's going... Let's say it this way. You've got to hear this about this Christian and people go, oh, no, no, no. Nothing to do with Christians. Nothing to do with Christians. I'm not, a, nothing to do with that. They're just closed off. No, 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 no. But my life got changed. There was love. There was grace. There was, it was just really spectacular. It's like, huh? That's something different? Because people think they know everything about church. People have made judgments about this church. have never been here. I've met people and said, have you ever visited our service? No, but you're just like everybody else. I said, beg to differ. I said, I'd hold your judgment until you come. Just come sometime. It's like, it's like uh, we used to have Luther League groups visit and so forth because you visit churches. They did that when I was a kid. And then they'd file in the back row and they'd be there, you know, another service, you know. And, and then the music would start and all of a sudden they'd be like, huh, 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 this is different. They'd stand up straighter, they'd watch, they'd look, because it was, it was different. In their head, they're just going to another dead church or whatever. They hear things. Now something's different. Different is good in this way. Your life is good because you're different. I can't stress that enough. You're, you're, you're a thermostat. She goes back to the men of the city, and they're hearing about a man. Okay? Which to them, you know, they got to roll their eyes. So it's probably at the bar, whatever. They got a beer. Oh, who's she with now? 
Who is she with now? And now, but she tells him, you know, you what? You're forgiven? What? She looks different, doesn't she? Look at her eyes look different. Like, all right, let's go find the guy. She convinced the bar crowd or the crowd she was with to go out of town and follow her. Incidentally, I just want to say again, God used a woman. Hello. You have some groups, you know, God can't use women. <laughs> Beg to differ. You'd have to take a lot of things out of the Bible and stuff if he doesn't use women. He does use women. So he's using this woman as an ambassador to the men. And they heard the message about Jesus Christ. And so they thought, you now she's convincing. You know, you turn to your neighbor and say, you should be excited about your testimony. <laughs> you know, you don't want to say, yeah, well, I got, I got saved 30, 40 years ago. And I go to church. Well, that just looks like warmed over death. You know, it just doesn't look good. And you should decide, well, if I'm not enthusiastic, why am I not enthusiastic? Have I been forgiven or not? Am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? Why should I be enthusiastic about Jesus? You should settle that because you want to be enthusiastic about Jesus. And she was. And so the women, the, the men, you know, they come see a man, told me everything I did. And in verse 30, they went out of the city and came to Jesus. So they're going out of the town. All right. She's walking in a new light. She's plugged into Jesus. Let me just say, she had intimacy without sex. A lot of people look, look for fulfillment in sex. You'll never even fulfill in sex. They get married because they, they want their fulfillment, and it's all in sex. No, it's not in sex. Sex will get old. It's good, but it gets old. You know? Some of you not married, don't worry about it. Anyway. But this lady had intimacy, an intimate relationship with somebody on another level. Now, it's not about sex. It's not about immorality and so forth. And so they follow the woman out of the town. And, of course, of course, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's Jesus doing? Well, he's, he's praying. The disciples are there unpacking. They got food here. Got a, got a wrap for you, Jesus, you know, and so forth. And got some water and this and that. So and Jesus said, he said in verse 36, this probably is not, that doesn't matter, you know. But in verse 36, they said, uh, uh, my meat, verse 34, uh, verse 33, the disciples said, has any man brought him something to eat? Jesus said, verse 32, I have meat you know not of. I have food. I've already eaten. I'm satisfied. I'm pretty happy here. I'm excited about what's going on. And they said, has somebody else bring him some food? Did you guys get back here soon? No, they didn't. So Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Verse 34. My meat. Purpose in life comes from that relationship. Relationship with Jesus. A lot of people, Christians struggle with purpose. Go back to your relationship. We talk about Bible reading. That should be a relationship. That isn't like, oh, you've got to do this. No, I get to read about the one who saved me. I get to read about things that will help my life, bring blessing to my life, which are good. So, so my meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish the work. And he says, don't say there's four months in the harvest. Behold. Now, behold, when he says, behold means look over there. Look over there. He says, I say, do you lift your eyes? You look, the fields are there. look on the fields. They're white already to harvest. He that receives wages gathers fruit for eternal life. Uh, he that sows, he that reaps, may rejoice together. He says, I sent you to, to reap whereon no one bestowed any labor. Other men have labored. You've entered into their labors. Now, now he says, you're going to be a part of this process to see what I'm doing, and you've done nothing to help this situation. You've done nothing to benefit this situation. But, we're, but he's telling them, we're ministering to this city, Sychar, the Samaritans, who you despise, who you have no relationship with, who you don't like, who you don't want to be with. That's where we're ministering. That's what we're doing. And he says this, this is in many of the Samaritans, verse uh, 39, believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman which told me he testified to everything that I did. So when Jesus says, look, what he's saying, looks, this lady is like a Pied Piper. And she's walking out of the city. Now, I would guess... When she came earlier in the day at noon or whatever, she's coming like this, you know, she's got her pot. And there's no hope. Her life's a mess. It's empty. 
It doesn't matter what the world tells you. If you don't have Jesus, your life's empty. And ultimately, your life's a mess. (laughs) Because why? You're trying to fill it with everything that will never fill you. So you can say, I'm happy. We're doing it our way. We're, We're doing good. No, not really. They'll lay down at night and feel like I'm a mess. That's that's truth. So people can say whatever they want to about their actions or immorality or sexuality or anything like that. But the bottom line, close the door, you're all by yourself and you realize, huh, depression. That doesn't go away unless you meet the one who can take it. So Jesus says, hey, look, look, don't say four months. The disciples, you know, they're talking again. There's understand. There's talk here. What they're going to do here, what they're going to do there, where they're going, four months, this and that. And he said, don't, don't, don't say that. I can picture them. Have just take a bite of the wrap or whatever. Hmm? And Jesus said, look. And they're thinking, oh God, here comes Samaritans. And Jesus says, no, here comes the harvest. Here comes the harvest right in front of you. I'm sure it's like, maybe like, okay, but let's just let him talk. We'll watch. We'll watch what he does. And the men come out of the city, and I'm sure the Samaritan lady said, here's the man. Here's the man who forgave me of my sins, told me everything I did. And the guy's like, is that true? I mean, can there be hope? Can there be new life? Can there be forgiveness? And so forth. she's, sure can be. And it says, the men then believed on the saying of the woman who testified, who believed the saying of the woman, who told me everything I did. And then it says in verse 40... I like this. Uh, the Samaritans were coming to him. They sought him that he would stay there two more days. To so the disciples, like, okay, we better just take, an eye, take a look at what's going on here. And many more men believed because of his own word. And the people said, now we believe. Not because of the saying. They're telling the woman, hey, we believe. not because of what you said now. We've heard him ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't that amazing? So here's a place that was so close and so off limits and so not on the radar of any of the disciples for ministry. And yet it is this place that they get the revelation that the Messiah is coming, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Oh, wow. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to go into those places. Not not just go, but but when we're around things. Because you're in the world, right? So you're going to hear all kinds of things. Lord, help us to be in those places, to plug into you, into your potential, your energy, your power, and then to love people around us the way you love them. Ah, amen. Is that a challenge? Yeah, it is. Because people challenge me. (laughs) You meet people and they seem brazen in their sin and this and that. But you don't want to, you don't, you're not the one to cast someone to hell or to put a judgment on them. To say, oh, they'll never change. That's a judgment. That's like a curse. You don't ever want to say that. You want to speak something that's life. Sometimes I, I just look to you and say, you know, God's got a good plan for you. And someone might think, well, they're sinners. You don't have a plan for them. No, the plan isn't for the sin. But he does have a good plan for them. The plan, his plan is to get saved, right? Just that name of Jesus. You're just saying, you know, Jesus loves you. But you're saying it with the heart of compassion. Trust me, I've said it other ways. <laughs> I have been harsh. I have been a harsh person witnessing and this and this and this. And little by little, it's like I like the sandpaper of the Holy Spirit. Like, don't, don't do that, Dave. Oh, no, don't do that. No, be softer here. <laughs> and realize, you know, yeah, that's, that's what you want to do. That's how you want to reach people. Because when you do it that way, you're going to reach more people. And if you're loving, let me just say, you're going to open more doors. I saw a guy the other day. He's, a, he, he's been a state led state senator and this and that and prominent person and so forth. And I met him at a business in town here. Just, he was coming out. I was going in. Dave, Pastor Dave, good to see you. Now, now we, are, we are not in the same sphere. 
But he sees me as a person who's nice. I remember when businesses downtown got tracks. They got tracks of judgment and so forth like that. And I, a business owner from the downtown association called me up and said, Hey, these tra- we found these tracks. He says, Are they yours? And I said, Well, what does it say? He said, I started reading the thing and I said, No, 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 not ours. I said, That's not what we're saying. That's not what we do. He says, I didn't think you would say something like that. I was glad he called me because it didn't have a church stamp on it. But I had him read it, and then I said, is there a stamp on it? Who's that for? No, no, no. No, not ours. I'm glad he called. Because I want to identify with Jesus. Not identifying with sin, not not condoning sin, not approving of sin. But I do want to identify with Jesus, and I do want to love people. And if if I don't do that, I'll never reach them. And that's who we're called to reach. Right? That's who we're called to help. My daughter's house, so in their house, because they have a lot of kids come and go through the house, and some of them are Muslim. Well, how do you treat them? <laughs> you know? No, no, you treat them with love. Oh, let's see, they can't eat pork, so we're fixing it. we got chicken today. Fix things for them. Very mindful of where they're at. And one of the boys' moms came over to see her. She said, my son's coming here. And she said, I want to come and see you. And she Angela said, okay. You know, and she came over with her full burqa and so forth like that. And kind of like, and what do you want to see? Well, I want to see you cook. And Angela said, you want to make banana bread? Okay. So they're in the kitchen, you know, Angela, little Angela and the lady, and she's watching. She's got her burqa on and stuff like that. And felt loved. And felt loved. You know, she said, it's, it's good my son can come here. He needs some help. And Good. Let him come. Let him come and be blessed. Let him come and be helped. Isn't that right? She was ministering to somebody through Lutheran Social Services, and they, they settled people, and there was folks from Bhutan, and they were, they were persecuted in their country because the country is Buddhist, and they were Hindu, and so they were persecuted and pushed out, and they ended up in the United States, and they ended up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And so, so she had an assignment to help them. She was very busy, but she had an assignment to help them get acclimated. They never ran a stove. Yeeks. They ran anything like that. They just had fires. And she told them, don't light a fire in your house. No, don't do that. Everything, you know. This is what a stove does. You turn that burner and see it hot. Oh, don't touch it. That's electricity. She went over there and they were, she was fixing chickens, but she was chopping them in the kitchen with blood spattering. And her boys were like, oh. like, whoa. You know, we wouldn't quite do that. We just buy it at the store. But that's what she did. So they come to Angela's house. And then, you know, from India, I brought her home an elephant. And then there are her kids who knew a little English, and they're saying, <laughs> and Angela saw him looking and said, are you looking at that? Said, that's one of our gods, an elephant. Oh, and Angela said, oh, no, no, that's just a decoration. My, my dad was there. She said, we follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Really, Jesus Christ. Amen. Planting seeds, sowing seeds. Ministering seeds. If I cut off everybody that I don't agree with, I'll never minister to them. I'll never minister to them. I'll never have an opportunity to be a blessing to them if I cut them off by my attitude or my thinking or so forth, by my strictness. Pharisees were very strict, weren't they? (laughs) But who wanted to be around a Pharisee? Nobody. David Nichols, I'll just say, some of you know David Nichols. He was an Assembly of God minister, professor, worked head of the Bible college in this place, and he was driving on a road in North Dakota. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came on him, and God said, you're a Pharisee. And he thought, I am not driving his car. Pretty soon, the Holy Spirit just came on him and began to weep, and he pulled over, and God said, you're a Pharisee. He says, how am I a Pharisee? I'm a professor, and I've got this and this, and I preach, and Pentecostal. And the Lord says, aside from that, all your judgments, and you begin to lay everything down. He wrote a booklet on it. I was a Pharisee on all his critiques and so forth. And on the road in North Dakota, he repented of his actions to realize, wow, yeah, there are Pharisees today, too. I want to be like Jesus. So let's lift our hands here a second. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to treat people like you treat them.
We want to minister like you minister. So, Lord, help our hearts. Help us to be uh, tender to you, sensitive to what you want to do, Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands. Let's just plug into this. Sensitive to what you want to do, Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to reach others that are outside of our sphere or that are in other camps. Help us to reach others, Lord. Help us to be a blessing to others that they might come to know you. I pray, Jesus, help us to have your fragrance. Fragrance of your love and your grace. Offering forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for this. I thank you for working in us. I thank you that you've empowered us with the Holy Spirit. So we have this ability in us to do all these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are called to be your ambassadors. Wow, I don't know of a better calling. Thank you, Jesus, to represent you in this world. So, Lord, I thank you for touching people here, people on Facebook Live, people listening, people around the world, because this fits around the world, around the world. Thank you, Lord, for working supernaturally, Lord, in our lives, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? (laughs) Oh, Lord, you're so good. Let's just stand for a second. Lord, I pray to speak a blessing over each person here. That the love of the Father, the tenderness of his Son, Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit that your heart would be gladdened, enriched, blessed, lifted up, peace to your soul, grace to your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Reach out and bless some neighbors. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.